The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, good afternoon. <laughs> How you doing? Right? So, um, seems super loud. Um, my name is uh, Mara. Um, I see some familiar faces, some new faces, and um, I've been part of this community for some decades. <laughs> And um, I'm really happy to be here and be part of our wonderful center and support Mark when he's away teaching or on retreats. And um, I'm also um, teaching in the community in different adjunct faculty positions and MBSR. I'm also one of those many psychotherapists integrating meditation and psychotherapy together. So my life is quite blessed and uh, tonight, today, it, isn't it echoey? Yeah? yeah? It's okay? It's okay? All right, all right. So um, this morning, um, I thought I would talk about uh, impermanence and uh, some reflections on impermanence. And um, often when I give these talks, there seems to be a reoccurring theme, letting go, surrender, um, just other forms of just letting go. And uh, so I'm calling this uh, Reflections on Impermanence, The Alchemy of Surrender. The Buddha said that among all the meditations, meditating on impermanence is the best. Anam Tupton says that this can sound kind of, kind of shocking especially if we think we should be meditating on something divine. Meditating on the divine can make us feel good, blissed out, but we may never find true peace unless we make friends with our human condition. Impermanence is actually the underlying foundation of not just our own individual existence, but of the whole world. Sooner or later, everything falls I had an opportunity um, to um, attend some retreats and take some intentional time away uh, this summer, which is still summer, almost fall. And uh, um, I was very blessed to be able to practice outdoors and in nature quite a bit. And uh, one of um, the retreats I was on, and I'll say a little more about it, was in the Redwoods. And you really um, had that sense of the timelessness. Um, one of my Dharma friends, Jill, who Patrice also knows, um, they had bought this incredible land back in the 70s. They're older than me. Um, and uh, they, they, they lived in the Redwoods. And they took me on a hike. Jill had been a docent, which I didn't know at one point, in one of the state parks in the Redwoods. And we came upon a tree that it, it, it had died, and they, but they had, you know, like the, the trunk and, the, you know, all the rings. And this tree was almost to the time of the Buddha. This tree was over 2,000 years old. <laughs> you know, there was a little line for the birth of Christ. You know, it's like, wow, wow, you know. And it, too, had passed away. And it was like a living symbol of impermanence. So Jill, 
who used to be a school teacher, she still teaches and, and is um, a part of is one of the teachers at the Santa Cruz Vipassana Sangha. She said, um, like the Buddha, she said to me, an invitation, she handed me these two round green little orbs that look sort of like little carvings, like little skull kind of design in it, like just little round, fit in my hand, tiny. She says, put these in a glass of water and see what happens. So like the Buddha says, you know, the invitation is come and see for yourself. You know, they're not going to tell you. You have to explore. You have to inquire into impermanence, inquire into the nature of things. So um, she had this little grin on her face, little kind of, um, you know, Buddha smile, kind of playful. And I put these two things in water and then um, um, came back a while later and the water was red. And I came to learn the mystery of the redwood tree that that tannin in those little tiny green balls was the red, was the wine, was the blood of the redwood that made it the mystery, that made that life. So um, this summer, earlier in June, actually on Father's Day, my father passed away. Um, He was 92, and he was a Holocaust survivor, as some of you know. And um, I had had a couple of trips to Chicago where he had lived, and we had some beautiful moments together. And, uh, you know, there's something very deep that happens when we lose a parent or we lose someone who's very dear to us. It's a real bedrock in our world. That even though I didn't see my father very often, as we know, when we've lost a parent, and my mother had passed away some four or five years earlier, um, it's it's like the plate tectonic shift. It's like that sense of, oh, wow, this is this is really impermanent. <laughs> you know, like like there's some. You know, we still have these illusions and delusions, but it's like. Um, I'm still processing it, so it's not fully cooked. But it's just a sense of something shifting and feeling a kind of a surrender to how things are. So it was really good to be in those redwood trees. When we were in the redwoods um, at this retreat with Anam Tupton, I don't know if any of you got to hear him while he was here. He was here uh, for a weekend retreat and gave a talk at Common Ground in March. And He'll be coming back a year from October. He's a wonderful Tibetan teacher. Um, and uh, I was on retreat with him after visiting my friend in the Redwoods just nearby. And uh, he said, would you like a shortcut to enlightenment? <laughs> There's 130 yogis in there. They're like, yeah, you betcha. We want a shortcut to enlightenment. So he said, it's complete surrender. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> just, just complete surrender. And um, during this retreat, it, it heated up to 90 to 100 degrees. I mean, this is like unheard of. And it was overlooking the Monterey Bay way up um, in the Santa Cruz Mountains and this retreat center. And, and then the, the, the smoke for a couple days or two, three days from the fires, all the fires from the lack of water 
you know, our earth is changing, right? The, the waters are, there's no water in California. I mean, we're trying to, or very little. We were restricted to, you know, very few minute showers. So just that impermanence, that recognition that the planet's changing, the water's changing, the sky was changing, the weather was changing, and that um, there was this haze. And you could, sometimes you couldn't even see the ocean or the bay. And the air felt heavy and thick. And they had to close all the blinds. And there's 130-some yogis cooking, no air conditioning, in this hall, meditation hall. And they had some fans going. And they said, well, you could sit in the redwoods and drink water and all these warnings for heat stroke. And uh, we were there. And at the end of this retreat, there was a short time where we were invited to check in with one another, a small group. And one of the the people in my group said she felt really cooked in this retreat, <laughs> that she had boiled. And so one of the subtitles for my sharing is that yogis boil in redwoods. And I think that this is what our practice is. It's a practice of purification, of letting go, of cooking and seeing for ourselves the nature of how things are. Um, I also had an encounter with a peacock on one of my retreats, not the one in the Redwoods. But I met a peacock named Mr. P. And I saw Mr. P jumping up a tree. I have a friend, a dear friend, actually the godmother of my son, um, and uh, visiting her. And she lives on some land that... um, they have, talk about impermanence, this land is pretty rough, and she's a renter, and the woman who lives there uh, has, is like overly, has no boundaries with animals. She has wild roosters, and chickens, and chicks, and cats. I mean, I don't even know if there's a hundred cats. Cats and kittens, roosters, and chicks all wandering in this land. And um, I, was, I stayed there one night before my self-retreat, and uh, it was a sleepless night in Pukalani, I'll tell you. It was, there was this 3.30 in the morning, roosters and all of this thing going on, and then, and, then, and then in the dawn, seeing little parades of chicks of all different colors and worrying like who's, which carcasses are going to be. You know, it was just very intense. And there was a peacock that lived there, one peacock. And the peacock himself had experienced impermanence. He had these beautiful feathers, right, the peacocks have, but there was a little bend in them. And apparently the the woman, this compassionate owner of many beings, um, accidentally had run the lawnmower over his feathers. So he had these beautiful feathers with a little... (laughs) <laughs> it was just so human. It's like, isn't this how it is? You know, we all have that little bend. And um, did you know that peacocks can ingest poison and they transmute it? That peacocks live in forests and eat poisonous plants that no other animals can eat. And instead of being poisoned, the peacocks transform the poisons into beautiful and vibrant feathers. The peacock's plumage is a living example of turning poison 
into beauty. This amazing animal is a symbol of how suffering and pain can yield strength and beauty. So we can take, you know, this changing, impermanent, insecure, bent, broken, (laughs) uncontrollable human life, and it becomes that gateway to freedom. Rumi put it this way, and this is an old favorite. Please indulge me if you know it. Chickpea to cook. A chickpea leaps almost over the brim of the pot where it is boiled. Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) The cook knocks him down with the ladle. Don't try to jump out. You think I'm torturing you? I'm just giving you flavor so you can mix with spices and rice and be the lovely vitality of a human being. Remember when you drank rain in the garden, that was for this. So we're all cooking in this life. Is there anyone here like the mustard seed of the Buddha? Is there anyone here, the story of the mustard seed, where a woman comes to the Buddha with a young, her child, only child who has died, and she asks the Buddha to bring her child to life? And uh, the Buddha says, sure, I'll do that if you can go to a home you know, it's India, um, and find a home, get a mustard seed from a home that has not known loss or death. And she knocked on door after door after door. And what do you think? Is there anyone here that doesn't know the impermanence of human life? So we're all being cooked. We're all being cooked. We're all opening. We're all surrendering to what is. And I have a, I've came across um, Anam Tupton shared a beautiful story that touched my heart about Avalokiteshvara, who is the deity of compassion, sometimes known as Kuan Yin, and the different cultures have you heard of? It's like the thousand-armed um, statue or Buddha you often see. Well, Avalokiteshvara didn't always have so many arms. Okay. Avalokiteshvara vowed never to rest until he freed all of us sentient beings from this samsara, from this cycle of birth and death and illusion and forgetting who we are and are the true nature. And um, he, despite strenuous efforts, he realized that there were still many unhappy beings to be saved. So he'd like work, work, work. And then he'd feel like, okay, now I can go to some heaven realm and kick back and relax. But what happened is he'd look down again on our earth and he'd see more beings and more beings. And finally, he exhausted himself through this strenuous effort and he had to surrender. And he fell apart. He literally fell apart. He could no longer carry and attend to the suffering of the world. So what happened is that the Buddha of that time um, came to his aid and invests him with thousands of arms to help the multitudes. And the mantra of Avalokiteshvara is Om Mane Padme Hum. Let's say it together. Om Mane Padme Hum. Om Mane Padme Hum. The Lord who looks down in compassion, the jewel in the lotus, bringing together the qualities of wisdom, the lotus, and compassion, the jewel, 
Just as the lotus can exist in the muddy water without being soiled, so wisdom can exist in an impure world without being contaminated. The Dalai Lama points out that just as a jewel can relieve poverty, so the compassionate mind takes away the poverty of unhappiness that exists in the world and replaces it with the wealth of well-being. And in our tradition, in the Theravadan Vipassana tradition, there is another chant. Some of you may know it. We sing it at the end of retreat sometimes or at the end of the day. Sabe Sata Suki Hantu. Let's say that together. Sabe Sata Suki Hantu. And we started today with the divine abidings, infusing that. So what is one of our ways of surrendering to the suffering of impermanence? Is through this compassion, through having compassion for ourselves and others. You know, and the and the Pali phrase is that may all beings be happy. May we all be well. May we all be well. It is lovely to chant this at the end of a period of loving kindness, that this this chant expresses the essence of loving kindness. So um, so sooner or later, everything falls apart. And uh, how we learn to open to this, and I'd like to share some of that, some more about that. So in truth, our individual life, as well as the life of our whole civilization, is resting on shaky ground. The more we deny it, the more we become insecure inside. This law of impermanence seems to be so harsh, yet we must find a way to make friends with it, because it is the nature of all things that exist. And this is from Anam Tupton. I think that insecurity can paralyze us when we don't accept the law of impermanence, that actually when we're fearful, when we cannot surrender, accept the things, that everything that we love, including our our lives that we cherish, falls away, that that we actually can get paralyzed in fear. Does anyone experience that sometimes? It's hard. It's like, you know, you can get shut down. Your heart can close. This morning, this very morning, um, I was just looking things over, highlighting so I can read it, making sure I had these. Um, and uh, my husband came into the kitchen, and he said um, one of our, one of his dear friends had been walking um, in the in the night. He loves to hike and be in nature, and he fell off a ridge, and he's in the hospital. And uh, he looks. It looks like. He's going to make it, and he, I guess he's conscious. But it's just that shock. And this is like a very vital man, you know, strong and healthy, and he, he's been hiking and doing all over the world. He's done all kinds of cool stuff. And there he is. And then my husband said, I'm sorry for such shocking news. I said, yeah, well, well this is it. This is our life. We just don't know. So Anam Tupton says that the true path to inner peace is surrendering and accepting this law, and once we become friends with it, then there's a peace. However, even when we have such peace, the deep feeling of insecurity may never go away. You know, I think we come here to this center, it's like, 
hey, this is Sunday morning. Isn't this a little heavy? You know, it's like, you know, we want to feel good, but we may not. We may feel insecure. We feel shaky. We're like, you know, we're all those refugees. We don't know when it's our turn. You know, the world is so uncertain, and yet we can have peace, and we still feel insecure. So we're not trying to get rid of it, but we're making friends with it. But when we do, there's a deep understanding that everything is transient. There is no solid ground where we can settle forever. And then we learn how to live in joy and peace while dancing, dancing with our own insecurity. Um, as you can see, I really love Anam Tupton. And uh, I listened to a DVD of his when I came back from retreat um, that asked um, do you, about your heart. Did you know that your heart is a dancer? Your heart is a wild dancer. And that when we truly surrender and we truly pray, not to some external being, but the true prayer of the heart, to be able to surrender, to live with an open heart. This is what he says. That dissolving everything here and now without waiting, and again, how do we pay attention to the breath and the self begins to dissolve? It sounds so simple. Sometimes we may think, I've, never pay, I've paid attention to my breath, many times, and never had any revelations. But this is the past talking, trying to trap us in that old pattern again. This time, be aware and let go of that thought too. That when we're up in our heads, when we say, my life sucks, that's not coming from truth. That's coming from the head. These thoughts, this idea that we're caught in, these stories When we say, my life is great, that's just another story. But when we truly surrender, when our heart is completely taken over and seized by the force of devotion, then the self does not have any power to maintain its composure. Ego just dies right there in the spot without dismantling the self into tiny pieces like like Avalokiteshvara you know, had to surrender, had to let go, had to realize, I can't fix this. I can't get it all together. It's not going to happen. And really let's go. Then we develop this incredible capacity of living with an open heart. There's no time to prepare to transcend the self. The self is gone the moment our heart is completely taken over with the spirit of devotion, of surrender. When we meditate, I encourage us all to have the attitude that we're meditating to dissolve the self, not to have a certain experience, not to, you know, get high, but to really surrender fully to what is. And uh, so what, you know what he said to all us boiled, cooked, sweaty, stinky, gross yogis? It was towards the end of the treat, retreat. And he sat there and he just looks around like Avalokiteshvara, and he's just this ordinary guy, so I'm not enlightened. He just sits around, and he looks at us, and he says, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is it. So I'd like to wind down here 
with um, a little prayer or two. Fortunately for you, I, did, I only covered about half of what I had here. So I had to mark it. So here's our... Um, this is a Bodhisattva prayer for, for humanity from Shanti Deva. May I be a guard for those who need protection and a guide for those on the path, a boat, a raft, a bridge for those who wish to cross the flood. May I be a lamp in the darkness, a resting place for the weary, a healing medicine for all who are sick, a vase of plenty, a tree of miracles, and for the boundless multitude of living beings, may I bring sustenance and awakening, enduring like sky and earth until all beings are freed from sorrow and all are awakened. This is the prayer that His Holiness the Dalai Lama recites every morning. This is how we transmute the poison, the insecurity, the fear, the absolute incomprehensible mystery of the human life, of how this tiny green seed turns to this beautiful color of the blood, of the wine, of life of the mystery of life flowing through us. This is how we transform suffering and poison into joy, into living with an open heart of compassion and wisdom. Om Mani. Thank you, everyone. So we actually have some time to share, talk, and uh, cook together in here. Yes. Your talk just reminds me of a story I read in the Times, New York Times. I think it was two winters ago. It was an Orthodox community in, in New York City. You know, a neighborhood really tight knit, and um, there was quite a few people. And this uh, family, this man, lost. It. There was a sudden fire. I think it was in December, and he lost his whole family. He, I think he had he had several children. His wife died, and his all but one children died. And the one child that was surviving was might not make it. And it was just it was needless to say it was heartbreaking. And it's just it just took the wind out of me and, and the only quote they had from him and I just it just stays with me as he says total surrender that's all I can do total surrender mm-hmm. yeah. and it's, it's just like I, right. I read and it's like I can even hear him say it and there was just something about this I didn't have any other context but it just it just spoke so loudly and uh, I could prattle on about what I what I seen but I just I think it just sort of speaks for itself so it seems to fit in and actually, thank you for sharing that very powerful story. And that actually, that's Anam Tuptam was talking that what really 
touches his heart, which is really he loves hearing the stories of people like the man you talked about who who totally surrender, you know, people who've gone through these fires, ordinary people, you know, not people who've trained in a monastery in Tibet, but just all of us, that when we open in that way, like when the suffering just, you know, we're like blasted open, and there's a surrender, and people awaken. You know, again, we don't have to go that, that's many doors to awakening. We don't have to go through that. But often it's in those conditions where um, all, all that, all we can do, all that's possible is this radical letting go of surrender. And um, we don't have to wait till, till God forbid, right? We can intentionally practice and make impermanence our friend. Yeah. Yeah. And live with that open heart. Other folks, yeah. Yes. Yeah, thank you. So um, uh, earlier this week, I'm the Colbert Report started, but um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But um, Vice President Biden talked very intimately about losing his son, and that just really affected me. And uh, so, but he finds solace in the Catholic Church, and I was raised Catholic as well, and the act of surrendering there. I don't know if you can touch on that. I, I'm still trying to piece together my views on Catholicism, but also on Buddhism. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's a lot of wisdom in the room around this, and I, I would just say also that I think that the, in all of the wisdom traditions, that these um, um, there's these gateways um, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh says it is not about becoming a Buddhist. We can find there's those places of of deep surrender, and um, so if anyone else has some thoughts on that or their own, great. Yeah. So, is it going around? Thanks, thanks, Caleb. Caleb. It's always a joy to have you here in the morning. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to share, um, Thich Nhat Hanh's written two books on Living Buddha, Living Christ. They may be useful in some of his talks. But um, I also wanted to mention, um, when Anam Tupton visited last fall, and Mara, thank you for bringing, I know you were at the center of that. Um, he a, a reminder that on Dharma Seed, which is the, is the Spirit Rocks website, there are probably 30 of his talks there, and there's a lovely one on surrender. Um, and he has some beautiful morning meditations as well, just as a resource. So thank, thank you. you for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Anyone else? A couple women. Yeah. Hi. This might uh, seem shocking to people, but... Um, the word Islam yes. uh, is uh, the one. It has two meanings. One uh, means um, health, and the other one means uh, surrender. Thank you. Beautiful. So I was raised Muslim, yeah. and I'm still Muslim. But yeah. that's how we were raised. Thank the true Islam, the true meaning is when you surrender fully. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, I had a a Muslim woman in one of my classes, and she said that um, our practice was like Ramadan for her, the meditation. She really resonated. I think that we 
we are all human beings together. So thank you for making the connection. Thank you. Hi, I have a question. As you're talking of surrender, um, you're primarily talking about, um, say, loss of life, where we need to surrender and we really can't do anything and accept accept things as they come. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about what is natural, um, like a natural calamity that may happen or... Um, something on similar lines. My question is more related to um, our practical daily difficulties that people might face. For example, um, you may face a difficult situation with another human being. Maybe somebody else has done wrong to you. How do you apply surrender in that situation? Do you just surrender and don't do anything? Or I think there's how a do probably you a co- Thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just smiling because um, I think that's what a lot of our courses and practice, I mean, you know, we got like a year. I mean, no, I'm not making fun. I mean, this is like, this is our practice. How do we surrender in the moment? How do we show up? How do we respond versus just react? You know, how do we see that this other being is suffering too and also care for ourselves? I mean, this is this is the engaged part of our practice, how we, you know, where the rubber meets the road, where we really, so thank you for bringing it up. I mean, this is great question, and actually it's an inquiry. It's a beautiful, deep question to live. How do I bring that kind of radical letting go, surrender into my day-to-day relationships and struggles? That's, that is the question. So um, there is no easy answer. It's a lived practice. So I think that the, the practices of compassion the divine abodes. Sometimes I just, for me, I I often have to remember to bring loving kindness and compassion to myself and some equanimity so that I can respond from wisdom and not just from hatred and ill will. And um, and I am assertive woman, and I welcome us all to take care of ourselves. That being a practice doesn't mean just lying there and being a victim in life. It's really responding and meeting life fully. So um, I really support you in that journey, and we're all we're working on it. So I know the kiddos are going to come in soon. So um, I'm just, if anyone else wants to comment, but I mean, I think this is really, this is where our practice, it's not just sitting here on our cushion, it's really this living it in our life. So thank you. Yes, Patrice? Sometimes I think um, surrender is misunderstood as abandonment of integrity. And I don't think that's what it means at all, that surrender is about really being completely clear about the way things are as best you can, completely um, open to what that reality is. And then the response of skillful means comes out of integrity and practice, but I, I think when I first heard about surrender, I misunderstood it as I would have to, I thought, oh no, integrity is sense of self, and I don't think that's it either. I think that when we completely accept how things are, then we can really tap into wisdom and respond skillfully and um, you know, respond in the interest of um, justice in some cases or the sorts of, of um, difficult circumstances we find in personal relationships and in 
politics, but that it's it's not about the abandonment of integrity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Patrice. Yes. Anam, um, and and he also has his own site with talks and Dharmata Dharmata dot org A A N A M Anam Tupton, which is T H U B T E N, and I'd be happy to write it down. Tub, like tub, tub, T H U B T E N Anam. Yeah, and he's co-taught with a, a number of Spirit Rock teachers in our tradition. So, um, and he he talks about being um, that the Dharma's like jazz. He's very, um, very traditional in the, in the, in, in Theravadan, in the core teachings of the Buddha, but he's also um, not conventional in like um, um, how we practice. It's very organic, creative, and like a dance, and like jazz. So um, it's really wonderful about how we meet life. And he's a householder as well. He's got kid, couple kids, so he's, um, you know, living, living in life. He was a monk for many years. So, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, are are the kids coming in today? All right. Is there one more? Okay, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say that uh, for me in the early days of uh, my practice, I saw uh, surrender as it was really kind of a, it was a very scary thing. And it was, I saw it as a destination. And, uh, you know, and since then I, I've moved, you know, to a place where it's not a permanent place. Uh, this last week I also lost someone to death, very sudden heart attack. And that was a moment of surrender to that event. But there will still be, for me, the ongoing everyday grieving and the process that I do in this life and just flow in and out of the surrender, the resignation, all the stages of grieving. And uh, so I just wanted to share that. Thank Thank you. you. Well, actually, this is a great time to dedicate the merit, okay? So let's sit for a moment. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your wisdom and a kind attention. Let's just sit for a moment and uh, dedicate the merit, um, the efforts that we took to coming this morning and to practicing and sharing Dharma together to the benefit and well-being of all sentient beings everywhere, Everyone here in the room, far and wide, near and dear, and into the world, you know, places of so much suffering, grief, war, hatred, discrimination. You know, just sending this unconditional love and compassion. Just as I wish for myself to be well, happy, true peace, I wish this for all sentient beings everywhere. May the benefits of our practice go to the benefit and awakening of all sentient beings everywhere in all directions. We'll sit for a few moments. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, 
www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.